Hi again, and welcome to United We Stand, a podcast talking about why we are more united than we are divided. Welcome to our episode about the Bill of Rights. I'm here to advocate for national unity. What that means to me is that everyone living in the U.S. strives towards common goals that promote better lives for all of us. We do not have to agree on everything, but we should strive to show compassion for our neighbors. National unity in the United States appears like an impossible task. We are a nation that spans a whole continent. We are a nation of many different races and people groups. We're a nation of many different cultural practices, and yet we all call ourselves Americans. Unity is essential for social, economic, and political stability. When we are united, individuals are more likely to work together to achieve common goals and resolve conflicts peacefully. This creates a stable and united or harmonious environment, which is necessary for the growth and development of society. But what are we united for? What do we support, even as we think differently? Well, the Declaration of Independence says that we're united for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The preamble to the Constitution says that we are united to establish justice, to ensure domestic tranquility, to provide for our own common defense, to provide for the general welfare, and to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. Basically, what we are united for is to give ourselves the best environment for our own personal success and the success of our children. And the best way that we can do that is to unify around the idea that together, collectively, we can provide the best environment for everyone, which ensures we have the best environment for ourselves. Another way to say this is that a rising tide lifts all boats. As we talk talked about in our last episode with the Constitution, we really focused on the preamble because that's where the essence of the document lays. The rest of the Constitution is about how does the government actually function. What we're talking about today is the Bill of Rights. And what you may not know is that the Bill of Rights did not initially exist when the Constitution was ratified. They passed the Constitution, adopted it as the law of the land, and then a short time later adopted the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, which we commonly call the Bill of Rights. They did this because many of the people who were participating in the Constitutional Convention did not feel like the Constitution actually protected the citizens from the potential tyranny of government. In other words, if the law is unfair, who is above the law and who steps in to protect the individual citizen? Well, the law has to have some some recourse for that, some way of achieving that. And so that's why they adopted these 10 amendments known as the Bill of Rights and then actually subsequently Consequently, an additional 17 amendments, giving us a total currently of 27 amendments to the U.S. Constitution. We'll look at them briefly and how they actually unify us as a country, which hopefully will help you think about what's your responsibility as a U.S. citizen? What's my responsibility as a U.S. citizen to help my neighbor? Even if I disagree with them, where do we share commonalities? Where are we more alike than we are not? And how can we hold true to those core beliefs, even when when it feels like we're really far apart. Well, part of what that structure that holds us together is these documents from our history, from our past, the Bill of Rights being one of them. So if you haven't read the Bill of Rights in a while, Amendment number one states that people have freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly or getting together, and they have the right to petition their government. What that means is that the government cannot stop people from speaking out against the government. Now, there are some instances where we have decided that you do have to limit your speech. Most of those are surrounding compulsory activities. So for instance, if a kid is going to school, they do have to limit what they talk about because the other kids there are 
mandated to be there so they don't have freedom to participate which means that you don't have complete freedom of expression but when we're out living our lives as adults we have the freedom to say whatever we want that does not mean what we say is without consequence you know if you say something horrible at your job you could get fired but we have the freedom of expression the freedom to speak to use our voice for what we believe in and that's true for everyone amendment number two people have the right to bear arms they have a right to a weapon in order to protect themselves the founders thought and were very worried that the British government would come and reconquer them. When they were putting this constitution together, they were afraid that if they gave power to this new government, that the government could impose tyranny on the citizens. And so they gave constitutional right to protect themselves. Amendment three, soldiers cannot be quartered in a person's house. Meaning, in other words, the army can't show up and use your house as their HQ, which is another way to say that we have the right to private property. What's interesting in the Bill of Rights is four, five, six, seven, and eight all deal with how the government cannot use their power unjustly. Amendment four is that the government cannot arrest a person or search their property unless there's probable cause. Amendment five is that the government must follow the law before punishing a person. Amendment six is that a person has a right to a fair and speedy trial by jury, a jury being their peers. Amendment seven, a person has the right to a trial for civil cases. And amendment eight is that the government cannot demand excessive bail or fines, or they cannot do cruel and unusual punishment. Amendment nine is that the Constitution does not include all of the rights of the people and the states. And Amendment 10 is that any powers that the Constitution does not give to the federal government explicitly belong to the states or to the individuals. Meaning that what the Constitution and the Bill of Rights or the amendments to the Constitution say that is not the extent of what is permissible by law. Other notable amendments that demonstrate that the people who came before us, our founding fathers, all the way up through the generations who have helped to co-create this country, wrote in additional amendments to show and demonstrate that we have equality. So Amendment 15 says that U.S. male citizens have the right to vote. That was passed in 1870. Before that, it was really white men and usually white men who owned land. And after that, it was any man. The 19th Amendment, all U.S. female citizens have the right to vote. That was in 1920. Again, demonstrating that the growth and the inclusion and in our table as a country continues to get bigger. So we just pull up more chairs. It's not that there becomes less space for others. It's that we're welcoming more people into this great thing that we have called the USA. Amendment 24, it is illegal to make a citizen pay a voting fee or to take a reading test to vote. That was passed in 1964, which was in direct response to voter suppression happening primarily in the South against Black people. Often they were required to pass literacy tests or reading tests, or they had to pay a fee in order to vote. And even if they could pay the fee or even if they could pass the test, there are many, many documented instances where the tests were rigged so that they couldn't, which meant that they could not vote for the people who represented them. And and again, that was in 1964. So if you're listening to this today, you probably know somebody who was alive before that happened. And then Amendment 26, U.S. citizens who are 18 years or older have the right to vote. Before that, it was unclear and it was commonly accepted that age 21 was the right to vote. That was passed in 1971. Now, as we'll continue on this series of podcasts, one of the things that I'm passionate about is our ability to use our voice, as stated in the First Amendment, to have a say in what happened happens at the federal level, which is our, our big government, at the state level, and at our community level. And the first 
And most effective way to do that is through voting. When I see in our history that we have continued to expand the right to vote, what that tells me is we have continued to say, we're going to let you sit at this table. We want you to sit at this table. We want you to sit at this table. Because we know that together we're stronger. We've known that since day one, since the Declaration of Independence in 1776, when we said that we are coming together to support one another in the pursuit of life, the pursuit of liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we reinforced that throughout our history. And it may seem like there's so many voices, loud, loud voices today that say we are polar opposites. We are so divided. We cannot work together. We have to actually divorce as a country. And that's not true. That's not true from our history. That's not true today. There are certainly people that are shouting those things. But what I'm articulating to you is that our neighbor down the street, our neighbor in another state, and certainly our neighbor from one coast to the other. We have more in common with them and we will be better if we work together than if we shrink the size of our table. I really appreciate you coming on this journey with me. I hope to see you at the next one and I hope that you might share this with somebody who you want to have a discussion with or maybe you want to have a discussion with me. If so, you can get on the internet. You can go to Facebook or Instagram and start chatting about how are we actually united. I'm not blind to the fact that we have real differences that we have to address and we need to address them. But that doesn't mean that it's worth quitting. I'm not taking my ball and going home. And I don't want you to either. I want us to keep playing the game. When we all play the game, together we win. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening today. As we wrap up, I wanted to finish with this. I believe in America. I believe that striving for a more perfect union is what makes us truly great. I believe that we can do more together than we can if we're separate. I believe that our best days are still to come, but I believe we have to fight for them. If you believe these things as well, please show your support by liking our Facebook page or our Instagram page. Please also visit United We Stand podcast on Patreon and make a small monthly donation to show your support. A link will be in the show notes. Your donations demonstrate your commitment to a more united future. Until next time, thanks.